Cinema Spectator, a movie podcast, is produced because of listeners like you. If you want to support our show, you can share it, give us a rating on iTunes, and support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash ecfsproductions, where you can throw a couple dollars our way and get access to our exclusive content. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the show. Welcome to Cinema Spectator, a show where an expert and a casual movie fan watch movies in the cinematic canon. Today's film is Jaws, directed by Steven Spielberg, starring Roy Scheider and Richard Dreyfuss. My name is Cameron Tuttle, and I'm joined with Isaac Ransom. Isaac, how are you doing? Hello, hello. Welcome to a spooky month. I don't know. Is Jaws a horror spooky. movie? Is this horror? I'll tell you, it's horror for me. Um, terrified of the ocean. <laughs> Just nightmare fuel. <laughs> There's like... I would say a lot of people consider this to be a horror. I movie, think so. so. I will consider it a horror. I think. I mean, especially for seventy-five, right? It's got to be. It's got to be. I mean, people talk like look yeah. at the scores, iconic, right? It's got a little bit of. I mean, there's there's some pretty shocking, bloody moments in this movie. I didn't realize. Oh, I didn't definitely. realize how oh, intense the blood was going to be at some moments. Um, yeah, I think if this was made today or put out today. This would have gotten an R rating. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Oh, that. yeah. And it, I can't believe it's PG, wow. to be honest. It really is shocking. That is pretty crazy. Um, but this is a movie, just like another movie that we watched um, uh, last year, I think. Oh, no, when we were doing um, Hitchcock. Mm-hmm. Um, the Birds. Uh, these two movies, I feel like, just traumatized our parents' generation. I don't really understand. Well, I mean, I, I kind of get it, but... You know, these were like the two movies in my remembrance that my uh, my mom at least was like, "Oh, I hated Jaws. I hated the birds. You know, it gave me nightmares. Right, right. <laughs> you know, because like they were young when those movies came out, and um, like, yeah, I guess my mom would have been four years old when this movie came out, mm-hmm. and I'm sure she was forced to go watch it in the drive-in movie theater." against her will um <laughs> so this probably would have been traumatizing as a four-year-old i'm sure yeah i mean i i i honestly the the main part of this movie that i remember from i guess when i was in middle school is the solidarity in the boat you know where you're just like alone mm-hmm. with them and that part really freaked yeah. me out um uh i don't i basically didn't remember anything else from this film um, there, the, there's like two shots that I can really remember thinking back. And it was the, the scene where he's obviously throwing the, the chum over the side of the boat. Throwing the chum. Right? That, that is like, you just can't forget it. Right. And it's used in so many yeah. memes and his reaction. Right. Um, and then, uh, also the scene where, um, Jaws is like biting up the back of the boat as it's beginning to sink. So anything with the back of the mm-hmm. boat. I was like, yeah, I remember this, you know, like I remember the, yeah, the, yeah. the chum. I remember the, the, like the shark chomping at the back of the boat, like he's eating the boat, you know, but almost everything else was fresh eyes for me. It was a real treat to, mm-hmm. to revisit this. But before we jump into our review, Cameron, uh, we could talk, I mean, how, how's your last week been since we've been doing some action movies? Have you been watching anything recently? What's been going on? Yeah, it's been good. Um, actually, Brad came over this weekend, um, and we had a very long but fun day yesterday uh, going to a 
um, a music festival up in San Francisco uh, called Hard- Hardly Strictly. It's free. Mm. It's a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, it was it was a lot of SF uh, old you know San Francisco joints, yeah. uh, which was which was fun. Um, but the night before, we actually you know to get in the mood for uh, for a you know scary month coming up. Um, Kiana didn't want to watch anything uh, super scary, so I thought we could watch Shaun of the Dead, oh. um, which I think is a good, you know, tone setter. Uh, she didn't like it that much, mm. but um, but I I think that movie is great. I will say it is not. A lot of people try to argue that it's better than Hot Fuzz or whatever. It's no, not, no, it's not. Okay, it, Hot Fuzz is a is a perfect movie. Shaun of the Dead is a little. It leans a little heavy on sort of the relationship aspect and some of the sort of points that I, I think it, it, you know, the pace of it isn't quite yeah. there. And it's um, a very strong that... opening. Uh, that's pro that's yes. probably its best moments up until the halfway point. Right. Yeah. Um, and even then, you know, like I, I love all the jokes. I love, you know, you know, him comparing all the people who are going about their day to day, uh, business to like zombies mm-hmm, mm-hmm. later on, like it's all it's all interesting, funny stuff uh, that he's doing. The, you know the classic vis- visual um, uh, gags that that he's known for. But um, you know, in in some ways, like I think it is, uh, it's a fun movie. It kind of sets the stage for uh, for me. What is uh, a much better execution of that um, idea? of taking sort of a genre movie and making it sort of an elevated, um, but serious, uh, comedy movie. It's weird to say it like that, but it's a, it's, you know, an elevated parody that has the tone of a serious movie, Mm. um, in a lot of ways. And, you know, I, I think it's, I think it's a lot of, um, it's a lot of fun. So worthwhile watch. And I think it's a good, mood setter for uh for for halloween month um yeah yeah yeah. i still don't know where i sit between uh world's end and shawn of the dead because um when i watched world's end i I heard that it didn't get as good of reviews like it's just not as good of a movie Mm -hmm. but i had so much fun on my first viewing with that one and uh i know we watched it on your bachelor party and that was a lot of fun then as well. Yeah, that was, um, that movie I think has the most fun out of the, out of the trilogy. Um, Shaun of the dead, if I remember correctly, does have a little bit of a downer energy, but, uh, it's apocalyptic, you know, so it can kind of go in that space. Um, and I think one of the things that stands out to me in Shaun of the dead is how the characters, um, they, they have like there there's just a lot to like love about the cast um all of them mm-hmm. from like the like the bro successful roommate to um like his girlfriend's roommates that are like really sassy and then they kind of run into that other survivor party and uh yeah. like the moment with the parents and um kind of the lockdown at the <laughs> I love how they keep going back to that one bar uh it, yeah, in the movie yeah. like it's like the same spot over and over again the winchester right uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah so um yeah I, I i i love that movie i think i think it's good but i do agree hot fuzz is like 10 out of 10 so so good uh if you haven't seen hot fuzz 
I feel like it's a good October movie. Yeah, you could you could enjoy it then. It's got some horrific elements to it. Little murder mystery thing going on, right? Yeah, there is a man who's masked who who's kind of a slasher type character. So you could you know, you could get into the into some of the horror mm-hmm, mm-hmm. movie elements. Yeah. But it's definitely an action parody. Yes, yeah. yes. No, I oh gosh, I got to watch Hot Fuzz again. I love it. Everyone will get their just so desserts. Uh, <laughs> um, the the joke that I still don't quite understand, and I, and I think about it every day. You know, uh, <laughs> um, Cameron, I watched a movie this week that wasn't in recommended viewing. Uh, it mm. was Shrek Two, which I haven't seen oh. in years. Um, yeah, it's because I've been watching The Office on Peacock, and Peacock has a bunch of Shrek movies. And I was like, well, I should give this one a shot. I'm pretty sure Cameron says this movie has is great or something. Or Juzo. Somebody told me it was good on this show. Juzo loves the second one. I've never really been a big Shrek fan, so I, I can take it. Well, leave well it, I will say that the script of Shrek 2 had uh, my jaw on the floor with Juliana. Like mm-hmm. I can't believe how um, well put together the movie is. Uh, I think as a kid... There were things about the movie that really turned me off, and Jules and I were talking about this, how, like, there's a moment where Shrek and Fiona become, like, humans and pretty, uh, and Mm -hmm. then they turn back to ugly. And, like, as a kid, there was just something about it that was, like, so unsettling. Those movies are not really kids' movies, you know? They're they're very... No, they're, yeah, they're kind of adult They're, they're like, strangely in this space that I don't know if it fully caters to an adult or a kid, um, that's why, like, I love that new Puss in Boots movie that I force everyone to watch because I'm like, I feel like it is a kid's movie, but there's like enough there for the adults. To me, it's the best kind of Shrek movie period. Um, mm. but, uh, yeah, Shrek 2, killer script, killer script and, um, just brilliant writing. I think. There's like this great like knockoff cops moment. Do you remember that in the uh, in the yeah in the... yeah where they parody OJ yeah yeah in the white Bronco. yeah <laughs> and, and, and they uh, they put Puss in Boots up against the wall and search him and they're like ah oh, he's got he's got mm-hmm. catnip on him lock him up you know <laughs> it was like that had me rolling that entire scene I was like man this movie is kind of off the chain you know. Um, yeah. So really enjoyed Shrek 2. Didn't age the best animation-wise, but it kind of added to the charm. Um, I, I, watching some old animated movies, like I'm surprised actually how well you're able to kind of... And maybe maybe this won't be true for my kids. I'm really interested to see someday. But um, like the animation doesn't like get in the way of a good script or a good story. Um, mm. So it, it will be interesting to see how... Some of those things age with future generations, but like, you know, you got to show your kids Toy Story 1. Like, what are they going to think? You know, I don't know. Right. If they if they just watch some into the Spider-Verse and they watch Toy Story, are they going to be able to like enjoy it the same? I'm not sure. I feel like there might be something there that translates still. Um, Well, it is interesting because I think I think there's a conversation to be had in regards to to Jaws, the movie that we're about to talk about but um you know in terms of looking back and and i think i look at some of these sort of practical and creative effects um 
in a very fond light. And so I wonder if, I don't know if Toy Story is necessarily going to age quite as well, but I, I wonder if the, you know, the underlying sort of thematic and, um, you know, story element is what's going to age really well. Um, Because to me, I mean, I think... 2D animation has a very long lifespan, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Or good 2D animation. Um, you know, you could watch a movie that was that was animated in you know in the 30s, and it still is just as impressive as it was right. back then. Um, but 3D animation, especially some of the earlier <laughs> movies, um, doesn't quite have the same uh, staying power. I guess um, I was thinking about the other day. I was thinking about this movie. Um, it was the first Disney non-Pixar 3D animated movie, which was um, Chicken Little. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I don't remember all that much about that movie other than I didn't care for it too much. Um, but, you know, something like that I don't think is going to last where it has, you know, maybe better animation than something like Toy Story. Um, but... You know, I feel I feel like Toy Story is going to be one of those ones that uh, is going to be a classic for a very long time. So I don't know. It it is interesting to think of, but I would say, in the same way that we look at like the birds and the birds or Bruce in in Jaws as kind of a little bit charming, you can tell that it's not real, but um, but it doesn't doesn't all it doesn't necessarily take away from uh, you know from the experience. I think. I think that's probably how we'll look at Toy Story in the future. Mm. Is my mm. assumption. Yeah, yeah, and and the other thing is is that Pixar has some incredible art direction. I was trying to think like, w- when do you think Pixar hit a threshold, like like a moment where it's like their animation wouldn't ever be noticed or considered even for the next generation? Um, because I think Toy Story one. Yes, possibly. Uh, like Bugs Life, Toy Story 2. Like Monsters, Inc., it has some rough edges, but I feel like we're getting pretty close to not super noticeable. Finding yeah, Nemo, yeah. I don't think you would notice too much. I haven't seen that movie yeah, in I a think... long time, but um, I think I, I think, I so think that might be true. But yeah. then it, the next movie is The Incredibles, which I think looks amazing, but there's something more where you get that, um, you know, the... What's that effect where, I mean, there, there's an art style. The uncanny yeah, but there's valley. a little bit of the uncanny valley with them. Not, not too. I think, I think the Incredibles would, would hold up really well. Um, or will hold up. But really like, well. po- cause I think, I think it has such a charming like world and you know, something about it is very, um, the superhero element is, is unreal. So it doesn't have to look super, um, you know, hyper realistic and also to be honest i like all of those movies better than the ultra hyper realistic you know movies that they're doing now. yeah so. yeah no no i mean like i agree with you i agree with you i'm just talking about like the next generation watching something and being like this looks old versus like does it not mm-hmm. because yeah. sometimes we'll watch old movies we talk about this often on the show that are live action and like some movies that are older look way better than like some modern movies, right? Like that that's discussed constantly. Yeah. But with 3D animation, it was kind of a new frontier while we were growing up with these movies. So no matter what, it was impressive 
right? Uh, mm-hmm. But now you go back and you're like, oh, the stories and the scripts are incredible. Maybe some of the things have a bit of jank here and there. I'm just looking at it like I feel like there's a good argument for Finding Nemo. Um, but The Incredibles, I ha- like I have watched that movie again. And there are moments where I'm like, there's something like janky about this. But the next film from Pixar is Cars. And after that, I can't even think that any of those like have aged at all, you know? So I yeah, think they hit yeah. like an art direction stride. I mean, like up and its characters are so stylized that it's it's like there's no issue, right? Ratatouille, same way to me. You know, like Ratatouille is gorgeous, mm-hmm. right? Um, so I don't know. Maybe we should do a Pixar month, Cameron. That would be fun to kind of go through that. I know Juzo would want to be on every episode, but. Yeah, I think, I mean, he's the he's the Pixar man. Yeah, so. yeah, I know, I know. But I'm looking at some of these. Like, I haven't, I haven't revisited Wally in years. I would love to watch Wally again. Um, that w- and then Finding Nemo. Speaking of being scared in the ocean, my goodness, my goodness. <laughs> True. Uh, that opening sequence. Ugh. That that traumatized a young Juzo. Yeah, it traumatized uh, everyone in our when, age range. Is <laughs> <laughs> is so. I don't know how they put that in into the movies. I got I got in a uh, um, a minor like conversational argument. Um, I just want to say Pixar's Pixar's website impressive, impressive going through their movies. Like I clicked, I just clicked mm. on Finding Nemo on accident because I was like, oh, and I was like, oh no, it's gonna take me to like Disney Plus. No, there's a landing page. You get to see all the trailers. Then they have a huge section on character design. And all the behind-the-scenes videos with that. A bunch oh, of, wow. of art around each character and their design. Uh, like, it's going through it. Like, Marlin, Nemo, Dory. Like, all the sketch-ups. Tank, gang, sharks. So, I don't know. If you're if you're into Pixar movies, definitely check out the, uh, the website. Because I accidentally fell onto this gem. I mean, this is crazy. Mm-hmm. World design. What is going on, right? That's super yeah. cool. What a what a great way to preserve your your movie's um, history and what's going on with it. Yeah, I wonder if they still do that with their modern stuff. If I click on Elemental, yeah, they still do the same thing. It's cool. Mm. Um, yeah, we got to get off off the Pixar train here for a second. Uh, I guess a conversation for another day. Um, but today's movie we're talking about is Jaws to kick off Spooky October, which we normally do. We've watched a lot of classic horror movies. If you want to go back in the episodes, you can find them there, um, including some other ones like you just mentioned, Cameron, with The Birds. We've covered some Hitchcock. We've covered a lot of classic horror. Cameron's, of course, going to talk about The Thing like he always does this month. Yes, we've covered that it's in the episodes in the back. Greatest movie yeah. ever. So if if you're not getting your <laughs> horror fix, trust me, we got an episode back there for you. Um mm. This is Cinema Spectator. You can support us at patreon.com slash ECFS Productions if you want to give some dollars to us, get some exclusive content that we've posted for our patrons over there. Also, patrons, just a reminder, you have the ability to message us. Please do. Uh, And if you're not a patron, still message us. We'd love to hear from you. You being here and listening to the show means so much to us, giving us a rating, sharing the show with friends. Uh, It helps our small production, and we just want to say we appreciate your time. We know you could be listening or watching a lot of other things, and we just appreciate being here with us and diving into some movies that we're exploring. Cameron, 
we're watching Jaws. I know we have a mm-hmm. a deep history with Spielberg at this point. Jaws for me is one of those movies that it's like, of course I know what Jaws is. And then when I sat down and really thought about it before watching it, I was like, I remember those two scenes I talked about at the beginning of the episode, right? I don't yeah. I really don't remember anything about this movie. And this feels like pretty early Spielberg. I mean, 75. I don't know. Is is this pretty early for him? What what movie was this for him in in kind of like the release structure? Yeah, so this was technically his second um well, it's kind of hard, okay? So um a lot of people what they used to do is they used to work um, in TV and they used to sort of do lower budget movies on the side. I think as a kid, he did, um, you know, a two and a half hour movie uh, that is, you know, it's, it's a feature length movie, but I don't know if I technically count that as his first movie. I mean, he was like a, you know, basically a high schooler, I think when he, um, when he made it. And then, uh, you know, he had a couple TV movies, and his first feature debut, I would say, is called The Sugarland Express, which I've never seen. Um, but it's kind of a you know a, a lower budget uh, you know crime uh, in the vein of of you know Bullet or or something like that. It's it's sort of a um, you know it's sort of a, a police trying to catch them kind right. of movie. Um, from from what I understand, um, but definitely lower budget. And then for Jaws, um, he was brought in uh, somewhat unceremoniously because um, the first director, the original director, I, I forget who was going to do it. Probably not someone super notable, but um, they uh, got fired because I guess they accidentally um, mistook a whale or a shark for a whale at some point during like one of the meetings with the execs. And they were like, I don't think he's the right guy Mm. (laughs) to do this. Um, so he kind of had a blunder there. Um, uh, or at least that's the, that's the classic story. Um, and so, uh, Spielberg was brought in and this movie had tremendous, uh, production issues. It was one that was kind of plagued with, um, with mishaps, uh, partially one of the, the boats that they had bought to film on, uh, sunk, um, and they lost a bunch of footage or, you know, they, there was, you know, technical mishaps. Um, and the, the sharks, all of the sharks had like really bad issues. Um, they were really expensive to make. I think each one costs like, uh, 250 grand or something. Um, and so it was kind of a significant portion of the budget, obviously. Um, and uh, Spielberg hated how the sharks actually looked and moved in the water um, because they didn't look real. They looked like mechanical sharks. Um, and so that was that was kind of one of the um, one of the reasons why the movie has so much sort of POV and has this sense of, um, you know, not seeing the shark all that much. Um, making it, you know, an even scarier threat, uh, just the imagining of the mm. shark, um, was really because of a technical problem that, you know, Spielberg, he probably would have shown the shark if he had, uh, you know, a better, a better mechanical one. But since he didn't, he had to kind of work around that and edit around it. So, um, 
you know, in, in a lot of cases, this was sort of a happy accident. Um, and like I said, uh, this movie had a lot of budgetary problems. Uh, it went over budget and I think it only had like a six or $7 million budget. It was something pretty low for like a movie of this caliber at the time. Um, and it ended up being just an absolute smash hit um, and is often credited with being basically what, what is the first summer blockbuster movie, mm. uh, you know, ever. Um, it was a movie that was, you know, this is, this is the way that we sort of structure or have, uh, it's kind of waned in recent years, but for a long time we structured the, the industry movies as they're, they're called tent poles. So you have a, gi- a giant movie that comes out in May or June, you know, sort of this early summer movie. And then you have another movie in, you know, November, December around award season. Um, that is sort of your, um, your maybe more artistic and less commercially viable movie, but one that, that, you know, has a lot of push or a lot of actors or a big budget or something like that. But the tentpole movie, you know, the, the big one in the middle is um is you know the the summer blockbuster kind of what we think of uh, today um and this was one of the first movies to to really you know pioneer that on accident mm. completely on accident so um and in fact i think um yeah so it opened in uh june on june 22nd 1975 and i i believe if i'm not wrong um June was kind of a meh month for movie releases. I think they weren't really doing that many like summer movies until, um, you know, the success of this one. So it kind of came out in a, in a nice, um, area where obviously this is a very summer movie, you know, it has, has those kinds of themes and, you know, the, the aspect of, you know, the beaches being closed and, you know, the scariness of the shark attacks, like I'm sure that was sort of psychologically intriguing for a lot of people going into their summer break in June or whatever. Um, so, you know, a lot of that sort of led to the success that, that Jaws had. And then, you know, eventually led to an extremely successful career of, of Spielberg. But I think it's interesting, uh, you know, like you said, we have a lot of history watching some of his movies on the show and just, you know, in general, I think it's interesting that, um, this movie is very kind of, it, it is almost a one location movie. It's, it's kind of simple. Um, but it has this sense of, um, you know, it has sort of an evocative sense and the characters are so, um, you know, reminiscent of what I think of when I think of like Spielberg characters, I guess, Mm. um, they all have personality. They all have something very interesting about them. Um, and I don't know. It's just an interesting movie to, to look at in context of, of the rest of his movies. Um, but I do want to hear your thoughts on it. Um, this time, you know, watching it again and what, what you thought. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, I think this movie holds up super well. I watched it with, with Jules. She did not want to watch it. And she, at the end, said, you know, it was more interesting than I thought it was going to be. But that's because I, I think that Juliana loves disaster movies. That's just my 
That's that's her guilty pleasure. Mm. I know that she's always kind of when when there's disaster striking and everyone's freaking out, she kind of goes, "Oh my goodness, you know, um, what's going on?" <laughs> right? So, um, yeah, let me let me kind of walk through the experience. If you haven't seen Jaws, we're gonna spoil it. I'm sorry. You know, you should you should see this movie. It's a it's a classic. And 1975, I would say I recommend it. So let's go through it. Um, right off the bat, this film's opening is cinematically gorgeous. Like, I really do not remember this film being this pretty. Um, the opening shark attack where the gal jumps into the water. I actually love all the scenes with the beach and the sunset. Like, those are, like, my favorite mm. scenes in that um, that opening, the contrasting between um, the gal getting chewed up in the water and kind of sput around and then cutting back to uh, the the boy who's chasing her uh, who just is kind of drunk and collapses on the beach and there's that sunset. It's like a very artistic kind of clashing between the two things and the movie kind of launches you in. Where I feel like the movie didn't hit as much for me was sort of like the town thing going on. Uh, and it sort of disengaged me in that section where um, the police... I, is he the... Uh, he's like the captain, right? The the lead of it. Um, yeah, yeah. Police chief or yeah. police captain or something. Uh, he, uh, that's... Uh, what's his name? Um, the lead of the actor. Uh, um, Roy Scheider. Roy Scheider. Um, yeah. yeah, he... You you get it. You get introduced to him. You know he has the family. Oh, we heard there's like something going on at the beach, and then you kind of get like this setup of the town. So you got all these caricatures with like the greedy mayor guy who kind of is like the mob boss. Oh, we can't close the beaches, you know. And and then um, the policeman who's trying to put it together. All right, like what do I really do? I got my family. Like, do I want my kids to be out there? Right, and kind of his partner, and then. Um, so they're they're trying to figure out what to do. There's this there's a there's a body on the beach. Um, okay, there 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 was a shark attack, right? How bad is it going to be? Then um, it establishes that it's not safe on the beach when another kid gets eaten out there while everybody's playing out there uh, on the beach, like for because they didn't close the beaches, and uh, it kind of continues to escalate. Right, the town gets very timid about going into the water. Um, there's a third beach scene where people go in there, um, and there's sort of like, like some fake outs where it's like kids playing pranks, but then the shark does show up. So really good ways to play on the same scene you've already seen before. Um, but this kind of middle section where it's the policeman running around town trying to figure out what's going on. Like I didn't really engage with it as much as I wanted to. Um, I thought every time the shark is attacking is when <laughs> I got more engaged, right? I was like, yes, like I'm I'm thrilled by like what's gonna happen in the water. And they're setting up all the kids playing, like you're like, oh man, like what is what is about <laughs> to go down, right? Um and, and it 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 establishes a precedent as well that um they're not afraid to get brutal with it, just like we were talking about at the beginning of the episode, right? Like 
the first kill is, is gruesome, but it's at night. The second kill, there's just blood in broad daylight. Like this kid just gets chomped up on the beach. I was like, oh my gosh. He becomes a, a, a fountain. Yeah, it's like, what is happening right here? You know? So they, they're like, oh yeah, you better be ready. You know, like you don't know when it's, and it, I think it really elevates the, the fear and the excitement around the shark. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, you know, you, you get kind of those crowd screaming moments and, and that's where I'm kind of like, yeah, this feels like the summer blockbuster. This is, um, the disaster movie on a small scale and it's doing it like very well. Um, and they're establishing different characters with, um, it, it's, uh, who's, who's the scientist guy? Um, Quint. That's, uh, Richard Brody or sorry, that's, um. That's uh, uh, Richard oh, Dreyfuss's yeah. character. His name is yeah, Hooper. Hooper. In the yeah, he's got the yes. beanie. He's like he's from the Oceanological Survey or something. He's like you know brought in as as the as the shark expert. So you have you know the mayor who's very slimy. You have the kind of the chin scratching police chief, and now you get the nerd. And the nerd's like, oh, I know everything about these sharks. Like you're not doing it right. Um, and then they kind of put the bounty after the second shark attack, they put a bounty out. Um, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm mixing up a bunch of things in the plot, but after the second attack, which is the kid on the beach in broad daylight, they put out a bounty. People go out and there's this fun scene of all these guys going out with dynamite on their boats. Like they're like, ah, yeah, we're going to get the shark. (laughs) They catch the wrong shark. And then that's where another third attack happens on the beach where it gets real serious. And the f- and kind of the last half of the movie is this the last hour of the movie is uh yeah just about um and actually they they don't um there there's not another attack I don't think they go out and they find someone who's been like mutilated um uh in his boat right after they catch that right, shark right um there was an attack before that I think um but uh. Yeah, but they they go and they they find this and there's this funny jump scare where um, the guy's body is hanging out of the, yeah <laughs> hanging yeah. out of the hole in the in the in the boat um, you know but but yeah there's there's basically you know half of the movie is sort of lead up to the second half of the movie which is 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 the journey to you know the Moby Dick style journey to catch the right. shark um, and it has this this element of um, both a you know sort of a cat and mouse uh, kind of situation, but also the danger of uh, you know maybe maybe the shark wants to hunt them you know at certain points. So um, yeah, it has has both of those elements going on for for yeah like just about an hour of the movie. So yeah, a good um, a good so. chunk of it, right? There, I love that you brought up Moby Dick because I was thinking a lot about that with this movie in the heart of the sea, that kind of that kind of uh, narrative adventure where there's um, a bunch of talking, a bunch of like kind of that explore or, or kind of like the excitement of danger. And then there's the isolation mm-hmm. of danger where you're like alone in the water. Uh, and I really don't remember that, um, that difference in this movie. I just remember the boat stuff in this film. Yeah. I, d- I know, like I know that they're just set up that there's, um, a shark out there uh near the town 
And then I thought it almost just like in my mind, my memory is like, then it just cuts to fishermen who are out there, you know? And yeah, they're hunting because they heard about the shark, you know? Like to me, the movie could have literally jumped from there's a shark in these waters and then three guys talking about like a legendary shark and they're trying to find it for a bounty, right? Like that's literally how quickly I thought it could have moved in my head. And there's a part of me Mm. that sort of wanted that, right? But as soon as you get on the boat, uh, Dreyfus, uh, Scheider, and Shaw, uh, who is who's playing Robert Shaw, who's playing Quint, uh, the grisly old sailor, they just have like a great chemistry on this boat. You know, chin scratching police officer, nerdy. I know everything about sharks, Hooper, and then Quint, who's like that tough sailor, uh, who's you know, like crushing beers and has all the guns and doesn't care about if his boat is falling apart and singing weird, you know, songs about everybody dying or whatever, or how I'm going to miss things. <laughs> right. Like the, the chemistry on the boat is, um, is what really drives that last half. And I think the movie actually changes a ton, uh, in, in that last bit, because what was sort of like a spectacle, you know, kind of like, tragedy movie or like like there's like kind of like this disaster feeling about the first half becomes like a brotherly journey like you were saying um mm-hmm. and and they these guys are are attempting to um hunt but they're also being hunted and it's a it's a great like kind of cat and mouse and the role reversals um and it's only elevated and made better by John Williams score uh, which is, it's just noticeable how he, he kind of strings, um, like everybody thinks of the score as like the dun, 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 right? Yeah, sure. People that, like, that's a great part, a great part of Jaws score. But what really stands out to me is this last half and the way that Williams composes scenes around like heroic triumphant notes and then there's that uns- like there's like a settling minor and then the minor grows and suddenly the shark is now like the tables turn with the score the tables turn with the mm-hmm. score the emotions turn with the score uh it really turns the journey into kind of like this <laughs> for lack of a better example like uh, like big waves right uh where where you're with your bros you're hanging out you're going to make it and then things are dire and suddenly things are scary, right? Like it's, it's a real roller coaster of emotion in, the, in that last isolated thing. And, and there's something about the last half of this movie that hit a lot better for me than, than the first half. Um, mm. So overall, like I think that this movie is, is pretty simple. Um, it's still really enjoyable to watch. Was I really scared at times it got me a a few times you know it got me a little excited which i was surprised um i think the part with uh uh hooper going down in the cage i was like why you know why is this happening i don't do this yeah that's unsettling i was like this is this is so dumb who would do this um and and I'm, i'm gonna say you know the the death on the boat uh it was it was hard to watch, you know. Um, there there are a lot of great moments in that um, that that loss. You know, someone's got to die on the boat. So, 
it it <laughs> yeah it I think the movie fully succeeds in what it's trying to do. It's clear why it was a blockbuster in '75. It's still enjoyable today, right? Um, overall, I'd say like yeah, like thumbs up. Is it my favorite Spielberg movie? No. Is it cool to know that this kind of kickstarted his career? Yeah, it's 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 clear to see how so much of what he's known for is done early on. Um, mm. I find it interesting what you're saying about the production, um, like the production issues, because I also felt that there's a joy out of Spielberg's cast uh, that is missing in this movie. I really do feel like the characters mm. are angry. <laughs> Even if they're not supposed to be, you know, like there's like a genuine frustration with uh, whatever's happening on screen. Um, and it really comes out when the when uh, in that last half when uh, Hooper and, and Brony and Quint are on the boat, there's moments where they're arguing, but they're really getting into it. And you're like, this is like, I don't know if it's just an old movie syndrome or something, but uh, they <laughs> they are. Well, the interesting part about that is, I guess there there was tension between um, a few of the actors, um, and partially it was because uh, Robert Shaw was um, was a heavy drinker um, and was uh, not so great controlling his uh, performance mm, on mm. set. So, um, you know, there would there would be times where they were, um, you know actually legitimately drunk uh, <laughs> on set. And I think you can kind of see that in, in some yeah. of the, uh, you know, some of the scenes that it's funny. Cause the, the classic, there's a moment in this movie that is, um, you know, probably as well known and regarded as um, any of the shark uh, attack scenes. And that's when, um, when uh, Shaw's character is, talking about his time on, I think it's the USS Indianapolis. Right, right. Um, and he he has this, uh, you know, this, the three of them are sitting basically waiting for, you know, to pick up, I think, the tracking signal or um, something of, of, of that sort. I, I don't remember exactly, but um, they're sort of sitting around trading stories in, um, in some ways and, you know, being a little bit toasted. And they... Um, they, you know, it gets sort of gravely serious um, when he's requiring. What, what's his name again? Quint. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. Wait. It's. Uh. You, you almost got it. Sorry, I'm reading other facts right close. here. Quint. Yeah, Quint. It's Quint. Yeah. Um. When Quint, uh, he starts to talk about his time and um, in in the Navy in World War Two and being. Uh, sort of shipwrecked and floating out to sea and a shark swirling around him. And um, that, know. I mean, that's like straight out of a book. Like it's, it's, it's like a, yeah. it's a terrible, terrible story to think about. It's a horrifying story to think about when he's selling it. Yeah. And um, I mean, there's just something very, um, there's something very, very interesting and deep about a character like that. Who's sort of, who's on the hunt for that sense of adventure again. You know, he has this um, this fear and this longing. It's almost like a revenge story yeah. for Quint. Yeah. You know, he's 
he's getting back at the people who, you know, killed his, his brothers in arms and, um, or not the people, but the, the things, the sharks. Um, and so sort of his, you know, the most famous line is, is talking about how the, the, the black eyes, like a doll's eyes, you know, he's talking about the, the sharks, how, you know, wh- what they look like when they're, you know, feeding and when they're, they're going after mm-hmm. you. Um, and there, you know, it, it, it punches the, you know, if you don't have a fear of sharks, you know, w- watching the movie, um, you know, after someone describes that fear, you, you understand, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't matter if you're not particularly afraid of sharks. Um, you can see that this man who's, um, tough in all areas of his life is still sort of traumatized by this experience that he had, um, wading out in the Mm -hmm. water. Um, and so there's just something, there's something great about those interactions. I I like what you said about sort of the chemistry between the three of them. I don't think the, you know, I think whatever tensions they had on set, um, only sort of elevates those moments where uh, they, f- you know, it feels like they have a, f- a frustration about being there. Um, like they're, they're tired, they're scared, they want to go home. You know, there's this, and of course, you know, that's, that's going to be tense for, for anyone. And they have different thoughts about how to actually catch the shark. Right, you right. know, so there's sort of these creative um, differences, you could say. One, one, um, other, one and, other thing. Yeah, that just appeals to One everybody. other thing about the, the boat scene and kind of like the hunting of the shark that I do not remember at all. I do remember Quint and his fishing pole a little bit, like vaguely. The scene where he's clipping in himself to the the fishing pole, I was like, "Oh, oh yeah, wow. yeah. That's yeah!" I was good. like, "Wow!" Like this is kind of itching some memory for me. But I did not remember anything about the barrels, and what a great mm-hmm. way to represent the shark, uh, uh, like above the water, right? Um, they actually kind of allude to this earlier in the movie with the dock scene where that guy throws the big chunk of meat in the dock. And then, um, they have like that great mix up where, where the dock turns around in the water. Uh, and that's where you're like, Oh my goodness. Like the shark is attached to the dock. He's coming back. Right. And they kind of fake you out by being like, Oh, it was just like the water that brought it in. Right. Um, so love the use of those yellow barrels. Um, it's a, it's very much a Spielberg esque solution. It reminded me of what made me think of Spielberg in the movie. Nope. That we've talked about with the, uh, the different, um, you know, those little like inflatable sales, uh, guys that they use in, in Nope. It's just, there's something about it that's so Spielberg, and it's seen in his earliest mm-hmm. films. Um, and even like that, he still has other, other little uh, touches. I don't know how these were planned necessarily, but when they're throwing chum and, and he's also like putting like floating flags or something like that behind the boat. I don't know if you noticed that. Um, there's like a little moment where they're like kind of dropping markers or something with, with the chum. So it's like every, uh, so many miles, mm. right, or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, like all these cool little inc- in- 
like in, intricate details about the way that they hunt makes it so believable. The details inside of the boat, the different hatches and compartments make it feel very grounded, even up until the last moments of the boat as a setting, almost using the setting as a character, right? Um, having uh, Brody, the police guy, like kind of climb on the boat falling apart, right? There's so much about the boat that... I always think about this too. Uh, Cameron, you might laugh at this. Um, if a movie set would make a great Lego set, it's probably a great movie set, you know? Uh, and and it's <laughs> yeah. like, like because you think about like the Millennium Falcon, like is there a cooler Lego than the Millennium Falcon, right? <laughs> you got like all those different kind of places or, or parts or like Hogwarts is the best Lego that you can have, right? Uh, I think the Jaws boat would be a great Lego set. I mean, you got the inside, mm. the front kind of, you know, you could put the guy at the front with the harpoon gun. You got the barrels at the front. You got the the steering at the top. You know, you have the little card table. I'm telling you, Lego, you could just hire me, you know, right? There's, there's, <laughs> the, the, but, but that's how you know, like there's something special about it there. Um, mm. So there's, there's a lot to love about the boat set as as a setting um there are good moments with like seasickness but yeah that that kind of um cat and mouse between the characters and the way that the boat kind of slowly goes down uh i love that it goes over like a, a night as well there's like a great sense of time on the boat where you really kind mm-hmm. of feel stuck with them um yeah there's just i think I think for me the last the last part of it is 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 the best uh, of of Jaws, and um, yeah, yeah. Let, let's talk a little bit about uh, kind of how they end up taking down the shark and all the different methods that they attempt. So they start with fishing, right, <laughs> with, with a big <laughs> yeah. wire, and that doesn't really work. Uh, and then they move. Maybe that gets his attention. They move on to the barrel method, which is they're harpooning him with barrels, and the shark will be tracked by the barrel. So when he comes at them, the yellow barrel will be on top of the water, and he can sometimes swim underwater, and he'll pull the barrel down, but a certain amount of barrels, and he won't be able to swim down, right? And they're basically trying to um, to tire him out so that he stops moving, so that he dies, basically. Mm. Um, I think that's kind of the... There's like two two reasons for it. One is to keep track of where he is, and then the other is to is to make it so that he can't you know he can't swim for that long. Basically. And I know that there are things about sharks that are probably inaccurate in this movie, but they do a great job convincing you that they know too much about sharks and they love sharks, <laughs> uh, which I think really elevates the experience as a viewer because you're convinced, right? Oh, these guys like the 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 nerd guy does know everything about sharks. He's the kind of dude that you want on your side with it. Um, and and it even furthermore, like Quint the Sailor, it's like, okay, you need the brains, you need the the brute, right? Uh, those 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 characters in a situation like this, they're they're um, they make they make it thrilling. They make it feel like you have enough of a chance. I also gotta say, I I, I mean, having something horrifying like a shark. I, I I will say like it's it's totally in the cards for them to be able to beat him, you know. But it's also like yeah. it's like a forty sixty percent chance 
And that kind of makes it that kind of makes it awesome, you know? Like I'm kind of tired well, of I think- I'm kind of tired of like these <laughs> immeasurable odds, you know? I think it sometimes works, sure, but yeah, I, I I, I'm thinking about like Nope. When you're watching Nope and they're facing that massive threat at the end of the movie. Um, it's like I don't know how they're going to do this, you know? Like this is uh <laughs> this is kind of insane, you know? Um or or you know, like whereas I think Spielberg does a good job at balancing kind of the the powers of of the characters and and what they're facing on screen. Mm. Like you're like I could see them getting out of it, but they might not, you know? Like this Well, I think I think one thing that helps that too is that they do catch a shark or Yes, on. yes. Not them, but but they basically the idiots who are running around <laughs> with dynamite catch a shark early on. <laughs> you know, so you're like, okay, how hard is it going to be to catch this big guy? Um, and then when they get out there, you know, you got the shark ex- expert and the grizzled vet, um, who's got, you know, the shark killing machine boat, you know, uh, you're, you're basically like, okay, well they've, they've got it. And then they start to struggle and you're like, oh, do they got it? You know, there's something like elevated about this shark and it makes it very clear. Like, yeah, this guy's not a normal, <laughs> you know, running the mill tiger shark that, you know, some guys with some sticks of dynamite can kill. Um, this is a, a serious, what do they say? Say, a, um, he calls it like a, an evolutionary man eating machine. Right. You know, all it does is swim and eat. Yes. <laughs> I, um, I, but I, I do think that this is one of those, um, un, unspoken about talents that's, that Spielberg has with his movies that he's able to convey mm. uh, this. And even if it's written, even if he didn't really write the film, he's able to convey it uh, of being able to, sh- to kind of show the characters with odds where either person could come out on top or e- either threat, good or evil could come out on top. Um, and, and he really messes with you with that. And I think you see that in his later movies, even even a character like Indiana Jones, who always like like he is like invincible, uh, it yeah. really shows you that he he might not make it this time, you know. And uh, you're yeah, convinced. Yeah. There's always that. You're fear. convinced as an audience. You're like, wait a second, uh, he might not make it actually. And I feel like <laughs> movies nowadays just don't do that. You know, mm. it's like it's either. Optimus Prime, who's untouchable, you know, and he's just blasting through all these guys. And there's one moment in the movie where, you know, he he loses his arm, but he's able to grow it back in half a second and win again or something, right? <laughs> like, there's not really that that tension. They're untouchable heroes, or there's or is the the heroes that you're like, I don't know how they're gonna do this. They really shouldn't, and somehow they still make it. And you're like, okay, <laughs> like I guess so, you know. Um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, I think it's, it's a really hidden secret about, about Spielberg. And I think, I think also, uh, it's a, it's a untapped potential in horror. And I think that's what makes Mm. Spielberg's kind of horror elements or thrilling elements, um, feel unique, feel, feel special. I love Alien as much as the next person, but you know, Ripley is one of those characters where you're like, she really doesn't have a chance, right? And she kind of mm. crawls out through victory, and it's great to watch that. Um, most horror movies take that approach. I think what's interesting about Jaws is that 
both both forces are like killer forces, you know. Uh, they got the yeah. brains and the strength, and they're still having a hard time with it. Uh, so it's it's yeah, it feels like a match. Oh yeah, you oh know? yeah. It's like it's it's one that that could go down in several different ways. And even you know, obviously this was a movie in a time that was known for being a little bit subversive in in terms of you know movie tropes and kind of going around what what you might expect. You could see a version of this movie where everybody on that boat oh, dies yeah. and the shark just continues. Oh, yeah. You oh, know? Yeah. <laughs> like it, and so there is something to that where, you know, as much as obviously I, I have seen the movie before, so I you know, know how it ends up, um, there's no guarantee. Uh, uh, the other thing, in hindsight, now we think of Spielberg as a little bit more of an optimistic kind of filmmaker. Um, but you know, he was an unknown guy back then. So who knows what he could have done? He could have, you know, thrown everybody out to see it, you know, literally it would have been, I think in a, in a movie like this, I don't know that it would have worked necessarily, but that's also a tact that a lot of horror movies use. And even in this time, you know, we saw, we watched Rosemary's baby, I think last year. Um, and that movie ends with just the, the bad guys winning. Right. <laughs> you know, right. and it's like, it's like, so there's, there's totally a possibility of that, um, that happening. I feel like, you know, Spielberg's not necessarily that kind of a filmmaker, but. Which I just gotta um, say, I don't like the bad guys winning in horror movies. I really have a hard time <laughs> with that. Uh, it really, like, honestly, and I, and, and I know that that's, I feel like maybe film critic people will hate me for saying that, but I just, uh, I always feel like the best horror movies have sacrifice and loss, but there's still some victory in them. And I really don't like when there's just uh, doom and gloom, you know, like the Rosemary's Baby or the hereditary ending. Um, with with Okay, hereditary, I disagree. Okay, hold on, but, hold on, yeah, hold on. <laughs> with hereditary... Rosemary's Baby, I'm yeah, with with, with hereditary, I like watching that movie... Which don't watch that movie. I don't know. <laughs> For me, I'm like that movie is. Uh... But like at the end, I was just laughing. I was like, "What the heck is this, dude?" You know, like this is. It's just comical. You know, like I don't even know what to think, and that's kind of what makes you think, "Wow, that was kind of actually good." You know, uh, you know. Yeah, that like, movie ends hilariously, yeah. and it it totally turns around the the mood of what just exactly happened, exactly, you know? and it turns around the mood. You know, it's almost like a it's a happy ending for that movie. Weirdly, <laughs> I, know, I don't know why. Very it, weird. it just has that has that sense that it's a happy ending, even though the bad it guys goes win, full you know, very camp. It just goes insanely campy yeah. at the end, which is like, yeah. oh, you know, um, yeah. I, I I guess we'll have to continue to to talk about horror movies with the happy ending. I'm trying to think of a horror movie that has an unhappy ending that I'm like, I was all about it, you know. Mm. Can I think of one? Well, we've always talked about how endings are the hardest thing to do in a horror movie. Because mm. um, it leaves... If you do it wrong, and there's there's like 15 ways to do it wrong. If you do it wrong, um, it makes... It cheapens kind of the... What is scary about the movie to begin with, you know? it makes It makes you feel like oh, well, I guess it's not that big of a deal, you know? Or, you know, so the the thing that you want is something that is a resolution, but is still, 
you know, soul has the threat uh, of it continuing. Mm. You know, that's kind of the classic horror movie. I think about Carrie where, you know, the house gets sucked down into, into hell or whatever. And then her hand, you know, it's, it's a, it's a finished, that's the finale. And then her hand pops out, you know, there's something about it where it's, it's very, I guess we're just like spoiling 15 different movies. So sorry, but we, we want, I think we watched all of these on the show. So, you know, catch up. Um, (laughs) But, you know, so something, something like that is, is very, um, it's haunting because it has a sense of finality that could, you know, pop up again in the future. I guess. Mm. So that that's a, that's like what I would think is like a good horror resolution. You know, it's not necessarily them winning, but it's it's not them losing either fully. Yeah, so. yeah, I can I can I can see that. Yeah, I think the other thing about triumph, like being being victorious at the end of a horror movie, you you, you got to wrap it up as fast as possible, you know? And, and Jaws mm, does yeah, that, yeah. right? As soon as there's victory in Jaws, uh, which we can get to in detail, but it, it just kind of, okay, that's it, done, get out of here. And I'm like, thank goodness, because I did not want to go back to the town, the boring family and the boring mayor or whatever, you know, like I just, I was like, yes, we got enough of that, right? It's good we wrapped it up. Now, I... I... I do want to push back a little bit because you you discounted and I, I let you get away with it, but you discounted some of the great scenes in this movie. I would say um, them all sitting around talking about what they what they want to do with the shark. That's fun. I don't know what's there's nothing wrong with that. I like the setup of of having these stakes being like for one he's an outsider, and I like the like politics of that where it's like it's like you don't know what we're doing here you know you're not even from around here like go back to new york basically um and so everybody's kind of giving him the short end of the stick and then they're also blame you know everybody's blaming him for for the shark attacks too where it's like it's not really his fault um but you know when the when the lady after her son gets brutally turned into a strawberry milkshake um (laughs) uh, (laughs) the lady comes and and smacks him in the face uh because he uh, you know, let her son go swimming out in the ocean right, <laughs> with the sharks, right, you know, yeah. like it's his fault. Um, and then, you know, and then he's sitting down where he's like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm going to drink myself to death. Uh, you know, and he pours, he pours the giant glass of wine for himself. Yes, you know, that in is the dinner funny. scene. Yeah. You know, it's so like, there's, there's great stuff around here. And I would say even, you know, like, you, like we were saying, you get sort of the, the first hint, um, which is a quite you know scary scene in the traditional sense. Um, the first hint of them being sort of isolated on the boat when when he goes in and he looks at the body and he looks under the hole. Um, you know that's all in the first first sort of section of of this movie. Um, and so I I like I like the setup. I like how it's kind of escalating from this you know relatively minor conflict where it's you know the mayor's like, look, we don't want to cause a panic here. Um, and and hey, you know, fair enough. A shark attack, shark attack, ha- shark attacks happen. I don't know if I'm you know fully on board with the mayor, but sometimes he's making a good point. You know, yeah. he's he's like, we're a you know we're we're a beach town. You're gonna close us for Fourth of July? I don't know. I mean, here's what they should have done. They should have just compromised and said, um, sharks in the water. 
be careful when you're swimming or something. I don't know. Right, <laughs> like, right. Just like let let the people go on the beach, but uh, you know, anyways. It doesn't stop them in um, in Hawaii. You know, it doesn't stop them anywhere. It seems. So. Yeah. No. Exactly. People would still swim. I do love. Um, there's always a shot that that I think. Um, it it was on one of those uh, those classic classic video essays um, from Every Frame of Painting, um, where he talked about the Spielberg Wonder. Uh, do you remember this video? Um, I don't know, I don't know but I think it. I might have went down the rabbit hole when watching the movie. Because are you talking about the shooting star thing? No, no, no. no. There, um, there. It's like very early on. It's like the first ten minutes or something. Um, he's like standing on the dock. He's trying to get a ride or, or off to the other side of the dock. Mm-hmm. And there's this like barge. Yes. And the mayor comes and he, and he drives up and it's this very like simple scene. And, and part of you doesn't even realize that it's a, it's a wonder because Spielberg is so, you know, brilliant in how he does it. And he, he just kind of hides this, um, this scene where every, every sort of, movement of the conversation they sort of get closer to the camera and there's this sort of moving cascading background where they're they're going across the river while the the camera's stationary and it's just a very like simple but effective um sequence that you know is it's basically the um the central conflict between him and the mayor and it sets it up in this just very simple and effective shot Mm. um and i think he I think he ends in, um, you know, a two shot of the of the both of them, and he says something like, you know, you you sh- you yell shark, and we got to panic, um, you know. So so you know, keep your cool, basically. Um, so there's something there's something very interesting that I I like about these scenes. Um, yeah, they're are they, you know, the most brilliant thing he's ever done? No, not necessarily. But even like. Even the setup of of um, of Quint, you know, he's they're in the meeting, they're all talking, you know, yelling, "What are you going to do about this shark attack problem?" Um, and Quint, you know, he just scratches the the chalkboard and he quiets everybody yeah, down. Yeah, yeah. He's like, "I'll do it, but you got to pay me," you know. And it's like it's like there's something just great about these these character introductions where everything is so effortlessly. I know it's not effortless, but effortlessly seeming. Um, uh, you know the setup of these characters is just really nicely done and well handled. So I like all of these sequences that are just sort of giving you an insight into into what these people are feeling before we get you know the extended experience on on the orca. Um, I think it just it really fits well with with the movie because uh, if we don't you know. Not to say if we don't care about these characters, we don't care about the conflict, but in some ways that's that's true in this case where, you know, it's just a couple of random guys. I like that we're seeing them sort of go about their, their day-to-day and try to solve these problems in other means, and this is like their last desperate attempt to, to fix the issue, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I think... So I'm defending the first half of the movie. Go right ahead, right? You're, you know what? You're probably <laughs> right. And I don't even care because this is this is where my original um, mixed emotions about Spielberg originated, which is like he does this effortless 
thing where it's like it's so good it's unnoticeable uh and in most of my experience before this podcast i was like yeah i didn't notice it you know doesn't mean it's not there (laughs) right but it just didn't wow me and with jaws there were moments that i picked up on him doing something really special for some reason the moments in the town didn't they didn't stand out as much, maybe because everything else was so good. I don't know. Um, but I found a little bit of the Spielberg, like, like I was like, oh, yeah, this is the Spielberg that I that I didn't like as much when I was younger, you know? I don't know what it mm-hmm. was that made Raiders of the Lost Ark a thousand times better than E.T. for me, right? Uh, but when I watch E.T. as a kid, I just was like not wowed and i watch raiders and i was wowed i watch saving private ryan yeah. i'm wowed i watch close encounters i feel nothing right like it's like it's like weird <laughs> <laughs> like it's like these weird things where people could go hours and hours talking about why close encounters is is incredible right for me i watched it and i was like it felt like a like a movie it felt like a good movie you know, there was nothing, there was nothing <laughs> bad about it. Right. I, I, and it's not even like it offended me or, or it was, it was horrible. It was just like, it was good. It was, it was good. It was Spielberg. Right. Uh, but then you watch him probably and you're like, it was good. It was Spielberg. Like it is Spielberg. Like it is like, you know it. Uh, and, mm. and so that's why I love, I kind of love watching, um, Spielberg movies that don't, that, that have a little bit less of his like iconic like iconicness it's why i'm really afraid to rewatch jurassic park and et it's like i just can't i i'm so worried that it's just gonna roll over me i'd rather watch war of the worlds uh i'd rather explore um (laughs) and i know you're laughing but it's like to me i feel like i would be able to find so much more like minority report i i don't know like i'm not sure but when i watched lincoln in 2012 I could have been wrong. I'm probably wrong, but I was like, this is just like a movie. This is a movie, you know? And I'm just not like, it's not (laughs) clicking. Here's the good news about Jaws for me is that it had a moment like that, but it also had like, oh yeah, this is Spielberg, which is interesting. I don't usually get kind of the half and half, but it's this two part structure where it's like, he's going to effortlessly do kind of the, the, the setup and the setup for me, I'm like, just let's get to the good part, you know? So I I discredit the setup, even though it's good. And and then we get to the like the the finale and it's great, you know? I was engaged enough with the setup and the finale for me sold it. Um it's sort of how my initial views of the of the Temple of Doom was, where I was like, as a kid, I really liked the Temple of Doom, because it's in the title. You know, as soon as they're in the spike room and as soon as the craziness starts ramping up, that's what I'm about. Now when I watch the Temple of Doom, of course, like, the beginning is, is like, what I'm all about, right? Why is there a dancing scene, right? Why are they... They do all this setup with the with the, the people in the town and the stones, and then there's that political sit-down, and I'm like, wait, I don't remember any of this. You know, like this was the part that <laughs> yeah. I tuned out. I wanted to see the cart ride as a kid, right? Um, 
So when I watch Jaws, I'm like, I still feel like a little bit like a kid where I was like, I want to see the shark fight, you know? I don't, I don't, the setup stuff I could care less for. So maybe I just need to watch this movie 20 more times and then I'll be like, yeah, I'm with you, Cameron, the setup, you know? Like, that's what happens with Spielberg, you know? Um, yeah, I mean, I just think, I think you're right in saying that it is kind of effortless um, feeling. And so, you kind of discount it. But then you look at other movies that are so much worse with their like setup and their characters and you know, blah blah blah. And you start to miss like his his oh, yeah. you know, ease of how he does that. Um so I don't know. I just think it's I think it's so um it is interesting that you see it even this early on in his career. I mean he's um you know not quite a master yet, but definitely you can see the blooming, you know, the, the uh the start of his mastery. So. Man, there's still so many movies I gotta watch on here. I gotta rewatch Lincoln. I gotta watch War of the Worlds. I just wanna watch it. I'm sorry. I know it's probably bad, but I just gotta see it. I haven't seen it, you know? so I'm not sure. And then, yeah, Re- Ready Player One. Sure. I gotta, honestly, Minority <laughs> Report. I saw that again. I it's remember a great nothing. It's a great I remember movie. nothing about Minority Report. And then Jurassic Park. I should really revisit. Um, also great too, but I think, yeah, of that list, Minority Report is a genius movie. I so was good. thinking about Drastic Park a lot, watching Jaws. Maybe it was just the teeth mm. or something, but those those like larger than life characters uh, set up to have a fighting a fighting chance against like kind of these animal creatures or something. Jurassic Park, it's got an iconic. It's it's so it's so iconic, like Jaws, right? Uh, that there there was just something that was tying for me. Do, I, I'm going to ask you a question, Cameron, because you know Jurassic Park better than I do. Do you believe mm-hmm. that Jurassic Park is is like the evolution of the Jaws idea? Yeah, yeah, I think. Um... Well, I think in some ways, and and it's kind of obvious that he's um, um, sort of revamping the idea, but but making the setting and sort of the um, the monsters, you know, b- bigger, um, and in this kind of uh, more, um, well, it, you know, even without sort of the the thematic similarities, I guess. Um, even just the idea of him making a big, you know, giant summer movie about, um, you know, this somewhat existential threat to, to, to these people, um, that has elements of horror and action and blah, blah, blah. Um, I mean, that's, that's, those are huge similarities to begin with. And I think, um, he hadn't quite done a movie like Jaws since Jaws, Mm. Uh, but that, you know. Jurassic Park was definitely the closest to that. I so. wish that was included in Horror Month. I gotta, I gotta, <laughs> here we go, just watching Spielberg again, I, you know? I will say, I mean, that is, well, first of all, um, you know, if we were to do another, you know, Spielberg horror movie, um, we should do Poltergeist, um, which I've never seen, but, uh, you know, is is absolutely, an, you know, an actual horror movie. Mm. Um, but... Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I feel like um, 
Jurassic Park is uh it 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 is it is a horror movie. I would I would definitely put it. Oh actually, sorry, he didn't he didn't direct Poltergeist, he just wrote it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I was for some it's reason, not on my I list here, he but did. I was like hmm? But Hooper um uh Hooper who directed Texas Chainsaw Massacre directed Poltergeist. Um but I knew he was intimately involved, I guess. Hmm. So Well, I I think he was set to direct it originally. Oh. It would be it would be interesting to see Spielberg really take a crack at a like a horror horror movie, but I don't think he needs to. Mm. I think he's he's doing the he does he does the hybrid like the hybrid genre crossing thing so good. I mean, there's elements of horror in all of his movies. Um, yeah, not not in his old age. I don't think he would uh, <laughs> he he wouldn't do it quite as good anymore. I think. What's the most horrific scene from the Fablemans? <laughs> When uh, when his uncle comes, <laughs> that's what I was thinking of too. <laughs> that's what I was thinking yeah. of too. Man, yeah, uh, I'm trying not to deal derail us into another retrospective on Spielberg, but mm. I'm I'm bummed that we didn't get to do a Catch Me If You Can episode. I don't know why I watched that by myself on a side week. Well, we we obviously could do that still, but <laughs> I love that movie. I think it's a it's. It's actually becoming one of my favorite uh, Spielberg movies, weirdly enough, because um, it's one that I see. Uh, I think it was on like Netflix for a while, um, or maybe it still is. And I just, I just put it on, and it was one of those movies where I was like, I'll just you know sit down and watch it for a couple minutes, and it just I just watched the whole thing. I think it's, uh, it's definitely so top three for me, which I've only seen it once. So, um, pretty, pretty impressive in my opinion. Um, yeah. there's other, there's other movies on here that I'm like, what, why did he direct that? What's going on here? What is always, <laughs> what is that? That looks like such a grandpa um, movie. I don't grandma know. movie. I, I've never, never seen always, but. <laughs> I think that's like uh, consistently on the bottom of his list. Am what's Am's, um, Amistad? What is that? Amistad. I don't know what that is. Uh, I haven't seen that either. Yeah, there's a bunch on here that I'm like never even heard of that. I think that wraps up my thoughts about uh, Jaws, though. Uh, is there anything else you want to mm. add, Cameron? Um, no, I don't think so. I feel like I feel like this was a good uh, a good start to the to the month a little you know a little easy where do you want to go next what what should we think about doing it's tough to say cameron let's what was on our list uh from what we were talking about last week do you remember you're Um, you're giving me this blank look you're like please don't do this to me well i didn't i didn't write it down so it wasn't technically a list are you gonna Um, i'm gonna go back and listen to our show on air no (laughs) (laughs) Um, no, I mean, I think we were talking about, uh, doing something like, um, well, I, I want to do Saw. Um, I think we were thinking about doing something like either, um, we keep suggesting it, but, um, we, neither of us really want to watch it. Uh, uh, Blair Witch Project. Oh, yes, Um, yes, yes. That would, that would be a great movie to watch together and just hate on the entire time. 
Yeah. Well, I think another one that that could be interesting, maybe as like uh, we watch it together, um, is something like Friday the Thirteenth, which has sort of a I've never seen, but it, it you know obviously has a a big cult mm. following and is one of these movies that we were talking about that has. Um, it had a five hundred thousand dollar budget. Wow! And made like sixty million dollars. Yeah, we got to stick with our so. theme. Let's close out the episode about Jaws. How much did it cost to make, Cameron? Yeah. So um, let me just pull. Oh, up and I do have one more thing to I talk about with this movie as well. Okay. Um, so let me see. Oh, I think it was like seven million dollars was the. Um, budget. Oh yeah, so nine million dollar budget, um, and brought in four hundred and seventy six million dollars at the box office, in under a thousand theaters. Too. Wow! So wow. really, you know, not a lot of, and it it played for a really long time. I think it played for like um, eighty days or something. Yeah. So it, it grossed a hundred million dollars in its first fifty nine days. Um, and in 78 days, it overtook The Godfather as the highest grossing film at the North American box office, which is pretty impressive. Gotta say it. Gotta say yeah. it. So. It's wild. Yeah. So, um, and that was total. So the $476 million was total worldwide. Um, so, and then it got beat in two years by, what's the movie that it got beat by? I don't know. Uh, uh, Indiana Jones. Two years, 1977. 1977. Uh, The Shining. Come on, you know. 1977. Mm, Uh Is it Kubrick? I can't believe you're doing this right now. Um, no, it was Star Wars. It got oh my gosh! Wars, Why did I think of that? <laughs> I was like, it's some movie I've never um, heard of. <laughs> no. no, and it was funny because for a for a little while, um, they were going back and forth um, with uh, being the highest grossing movie at the box office, and so they would they would send each other little cute little cards when whenever they would uh, whenever they would beat each other, um, which is. I find very endearing. I always forget that Star Wars is so low budget. I always forget it. Well, that's not even... I'm just talking about um, total box office. No, no, but it it really is. It really is. Yeah, no, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, the first Star Wars, I mean, it had just a disaster of a production. (laughs) Like, Like a lot of the movies of that ended up being great of the time. Um, yeah, so, so I'm, I'm looking at, cause we were going to do this budget focused month, right? Saw is on there. I think we should, we should commit to Saw next week. Uh, yeah, next week? I'm very scared. I don't want to watch this. Other movies on the list that aren't horn movies, but Friday the 13th is on the list, uh, with looks like, yeah, $550,000 budget. Holy moly. And, uh, 92 million. That's a pretty big, pretty big return. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Just yeah. want to shout out though. Moonlight is on this list uh, as well. This is not horror. This is just wow. uh, four million dollar budget, sixty five point three million worldwide. And people still don't know. Mm. 
Oh, oh well, people know people have heard of Moonlight. I'm sorry, I just confused this with a different movie. <laughs> I was thinking of uh, what's that other movie that is so good um, that we watched, and I was like, I don't. Th- oh, waves. waves. I was thinking of Waves. Yeah. I was like, I don't think Waves made sixty five point three million. I was like, I was shocked by that. Uh, I haven't seen Moonlight, so never mind. Um, yeah. So let's see what else is on this list. Halloween is on this list. Did we watch Halloween? Yeah, because John Carr. No, we haven't. I watched it. We we I could think though. I watched it with my dad recently, and he made me mm. watch it because he was like, "You gotta hear the score." Like he's like he couldn't admit it. He couldn't admit that he wanted to watch it, but he's like, "You know the score. You gotta see it for the score." So, <laughs> oh, oh, okay, dad. And he watched it with me. So, uh, yeah, that was pretty good. I'm looking at, uh, oh yeah, Napoleon Dynamite's on this list. Love that movie. (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't quite fit. No, not quite a horror movie. Um, Super Size Me, you know, that's all on the list. That's horror. You know what's on here that I've always (laughs) wanted to watch, but I don't know if it's a horror movie? Uh, (laughs) It's American Psycho. I've never seen American Psycho. And I really... Oh yeah, it's a great movie. Not a horror movie, but, well... It is. It is great, though. It is great. Yeah, nightmare. When are we? When are we doing Paranormal Activity? I've never seen that. Before, so. Gosh. Yeah, but you've seen you've seen <laughs> Scary Movie Four. You remember that, Cameron? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We should do that movie. We should do the first. Maybe that should movie. be the Patreon. We should finally do some Patreon content for our starving patrons who are three weeks behind on the show. You know. So. Gosh, we can. Yeah, we we. Uh, Ugh. I I actually was assigned Scary Movie, the original Scary Movie, for one of my... I took a horror movie class, yeah. and I was assigned that movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh... Which is dumb, but... Did we watch um, Jennifer's Body for Horror Movie Month? I believe so. Yeah. Actually, that's one of Juliana and I's favorites now. Uh, we love that movie. Wow. Um, we showed it to people and they were freaked out by us. So, I guess it's not. Yeah, you can. I guess it's not always I the crowd pleasing. You, you movie. turned me around a little bit, a little bit on that movie. I th- I still think it's not amazing, but oh, oh, I didn't realize. It's, I for, it's I forgot I that you didn't like. It. I thought I thought it. I thought it was really fun. I thought it was a mm. super fun movie, uh, and it has kind of that like, it's like Twilight but better, you know. Kind of what's going on with that? <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, like a, a lot because be- like if you kind of like the camp and the edginess and the weirdness of Twilight, like it's like a more violent, engaging version of Twilight, you know. Um, mm. But no, no, I think about that movie often. I, I actually think it's kind of resurged in some ways. Um, yeah, I, no, I so agree. yeah, it's got something about it reminds me of like the Scott Pilgrim versus the World era of movies. And uh, mm. there's just like a, yeah, it's it's cool. It's cool. I really like it. Um, did we watch Night of the Living Dead? We have not. Um, but it could be an interesting one to do. Um, I like that movie enough. Um, I don't think it's like, um, I don't know. It's it's interesting, and I think there's good discussions to be had about it because there's there's some really neat things that it does like thematically, 
Um, but as far as you know, scary movies go, it's not that scary, mm. and is you know, we, we don't have to be scared. I mean, Do yeah. we have to be scared? <laughs> Are you not? Is your appetite not not wet to be to be scared? Oh gosh, this dude. Month? The witches on this list. Oh my goodness. I don't know. This that just Oh, you know, the full the full Night of the Living Dead movie is on Wikipedia. All right. Isn't that interesting? Zombies. <laughs> yeah, this was the first um the first zombie movie. Yeah. I know. That's kind of why I'm like, I'm interested. You know? Yeah. What's this movie here? Wow. It doesn't have the best reviews. Have you seen Moon 2009? Sam Rockwell? No. It's got an awesome poster. The, uh, it's the one about the astronaut, right? Yeah. It's got an awesome, oh, awesome good. poster. I think the... Um, the... I remember the score was like really good or something, but... I didn't. I didn't see the movie. Yeah. Uh, low, low budget, five million. So, mm. um, but kind of more of a sci-fi sort of thing. So, yeah, I'm just going down this list of of uh, low budget movies that have huge returns. There it is, mm. Memories of Murder. Watch that movie. Mm. It's a good one. Very good. Um, yeah, that's the end of the list there, but. Okay, well, I think we're off to a good start. What are we going to watch next week, Cameron? You got to decide. This is this is, you're in charge of this show, man. Are we thinking Saw? Let's do, do it. Saw. Let's do it. It's not too long, right? No, it's yeah, it's short. It's like ninety minutes. Should I, I watch it with Juliana, or, or is she not going to be able to take it? It might be a little tough. It might be a little tough, but um, <laughs> maybe okay. no. But it's it. I would say. As far as it goes, like it's got a really bad reputation because of the sequels. Um, the first movie is really not that bad, but it is scary. It's spooky, you know. What about that, like so. Five Nights at Freddy's thing? What's going on with that? You know, I don't know. I don't care about that movie. All right, let's wrap up the show because I'm thinking about Legos, Cameron, um, and <laughs> okay. I was thinking about my idea with great, great sets that would be great Lego sets. There we go. Mm. Man, that's a great rule. Well, Directors should live by that. You know? Well, hey, look. Saw has one of those great Lego set settings. <laughs> Just I'm the Lego. The I'm Lego series. <laughs> you know, like that. <laughs> no, it, it's, it, it. you know, not, I don't want to spoil it, but it takes place in a very okay, okay. Uh, precarious looking Okay, do, do not spoil it. Do not spoil it. I, it's good. You'll like it. You'll like. I it. think I. I think I will. I think I will. What's? Uh, but I want to hear your thoughts, Cameron. What's? What's a Lego set that should be made out of a out of a, a film set? Mm. You know what I was thinking of? Mm. The Mad Max guitar car. That would be Ooh, such a cool Lego set. That would be an. And awesome then you or, or even even the uh, the tanker the tanker truck because that like. Mm. You know you got all the crawl spaces down below and all that. You know that would that would be so cool. You know, um, yeah. That that's any kind of vehicle is usually if if characters are crawling through a vehicle while it's moving, 
it's usually a pretty good pretty good sign for a Lego set. Mm. Um, now I'm trying to think. Um, I feel like the the Breaking Bad Super Lab probably already has a Lego set, um, even just a meme one. Yeah, because um, that would be that would be pretty fun. It's a, just a really good setting. Um, I've definitely seen the Breaking Bad Lego RV. Ah, uh, yeah. Yes, yeah, this yeah. is this is a fake. Is that real? No, they're fake. Oh, they're yeah. fake. <laughs> yeah, a little bit not appropriate for <laughs> children, but just a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> the super lab, the rolling meth lab. <laughs> oh man, so many <laughs> these Lego sets are funny. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I mean, they pretty much have Legos for anything at this point. But do they have, do yeah. they have Lego jaws? I mean, we come on. What's going on there, Lego? I mean, that's like classic, right? Jaws Lego. I think they stay away. Oh, they do have the Jaws Lego set officially announced includes the Orca June 2nd, 2023. June wow. 2nd. Look at that. Yeah, just happened. I don't see it. where. Go to Jaws Lego. Oh, it is a Lego idea. Wow. They got to figure it out. You, do you know oh, yeah. about Lego Ideas? Yeah, it's like the super geniuses who work no, at Legos none, for like a no, month, right? No, it's community voted ideas. Oh, it's super cool. So I'm looking at some of these. What is the... Oh, I'm thinking the architect one. That's like the... Yes, yes. What is that one called? I don't remember. This one is the pink... What is that? Pink Palace from Coraline. It's kind of a cool one. Look at this one. Oh. This one is uh, Interstellar. It is Saturn. Oh. It is like, wait, this is actually kind of cool. And they have the Endurance Ring. And then the minifigures. Oh, yeah. Wow. Pretty cool. Lego ideas. Let's see. Let's see what's popular right now. Yo, wait. This is such a good... People are voting for this one. This is such a good one. Gorilla's Plastic Beach. Do you know that album cover? No. Um, well... Oh yeah, I have seen. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a great one. Some people are voting a working log machine. Yeah, and Interstellar is at the top. The uh, the little like spaceship. Oh, dude, mm-hmm. the robot in Lego looks so good. Like the 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 three <laughs> bricks. Oh man, that yeah, looks great. Yeah. That looks so good. That's good. We're supposed to be thinking of this. We're supposed to be thinking of Lego. Cameron, what's your Lego ideas? Come on, we could do this. I don't this. know. I, now, these, there's too many good ones. Now you're just like, I have nothing. I'm not creative at all. I know. I'm just looking at all these really brilliant Lego ideas, and they're better than... I, I really do think the the guitar truck or the or the rig is a really good idea. Mm, yeah. From Mad Max. Yeah, the, that, <laughs> the Mad Max rig would be so cool. A bunch of those motorcycle guys around him, you know? That would be, that'd be super cool. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Well, I guess we'll wrap it up. If you guys have great Lego ideas, or maybe you have a Lego ideas account, you can just send it to us. That'd be interesting. I'm just, I'm now I'm a little nervous to know what kind of Lego ideas people have. I know Tim's mind is probably going straight, straight to the gutter, you know, uh, <laughs> seven power lines 
with the box characters, you know, in the middle of the desert. <laughs> just a, an yeah. empty desert with three minifigures in a box and a power line. <laughs> it's not a good... The most simple... N- it's yeah, it's the most simple uh, uh, Lego idea ever. But you know, it it just that is out. not that is not a good Lego set. So, but that is a good setting. <laughs> it is a good set. So maybe my rule does not apply. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's not that good of an idea. Well, I think what makes a good Lego set, um, you know, doesn't necessarily make a good, uh, or actually the opposite. What makes a a, a good setting probably. Um, or I guess a a good Lego set setting would be a good movie set setting, but not always the opposite of w- way around. You know, sometimes it's a little too stark or barren. You know, but but there are some things that translate really well. The uh, the only other two ideas that I had just looking at some of those was uh, what was that movie Panic Room? To do like the Panic Room mm. house that would be pretty cool. Yeah, I know they did yeah. the Home Alone house in Lego. That's a pretty smart Ooh, idea. That's that's good. Um, yeah, I thought I just. Did you ever watch Snowpiercer? The train, <laughs> Snowpiercer. Yeah. Train. <laughs> <laughs> Cockroach room. Oh my goodness. Yeah, Willy. I bet fun. you Lego. Is that a thing? Lego Willy Wonka. That would be a wild, like Probably, five thousand yeah. dollars set or something. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Willy Wonka. They're going to do the Timothy Chalamet Wonka Legos, I bet. Mm. Lego ideas. Yeah, here it is. Small. It's not. This is uh, lots of supporters for this one. (laughs) I don't know if it's going to make it. But they at least got the Chocolate River. That's impressive. Ooh, okay. Uh, the only thing that I don't like about their chocolate river, I don't, I don't see the, the, the pipe. Is the pipe there? You know, where the kid goes up the pipe. Well, which one are they doing? Are they doing the classic? It looks classic. Yeah. Oh, okay. They got the waterfall, but they don't have the, the, you know, the pipe the kid goes up. That's so horrifying. Well, Augustus Gloop has to fall in first. Yes, 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 yes. So... Yes, I'm aware. Do they have the blueberry or the uh, the sorting? No, no, no. It's just yeah. small. Not it's sorting. just small. It's uh, it's just like or it's golden eggs in the original. Yeah, it's golden yeah. eggs. Yeah, golden eggs. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Well, I haven't. I can't really afford Legos anymore. <laughs> Isn't that weird? Why did that happen? Well, you couldn't when you were a kid. What? But. Yeah. What the heck? We're kids. Somehow we have money to buy toys, and we can buy toys. Well, there's nothing else that we would buy. But then you're adults, and you can't afford the things you were buying as a kid. What's up with that? You ever think about that? That's jacked, Cameron. That's really messed up, (laughs) you know? When I was a kid, I could buy toys. I was richer as a kid than I am as an adult. Um, Well, you had all of the other things provided to you, so... Now you explain it away. Explain it away all you want, Cameron. Right. I'm just saying, you know, that's that's how it is. I always have the credit card. Just put it all on credit, <laughs> then snap the card and put all throw the card away, and the problems go away. <laughs> that's true. That's true. That's good advice. <laughs> 
You know what's good too? Speaking of of something, I'm just going back to what we were talking about with Saw. Um, I think the new Saw like just came out or something, so we can cash in on that, on that. Uh, you know, all the clout from the new Saw. Movie. Let's do it. Let's do it. I'm actually I'm kind of garnering some excitement. You said it would be a good Lego set. You know, now I'm like, what? What's gonna happen? What does that I mean? I love that. Yeah. <laughs> now I'm interested. You know. You could probably <laughs> Isaac Hereditary. That's it's like it could have been a great Lego set, you know. Oh, <laughs> oh my gosh! And you like escape room? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is like a Darren O'Neill Exa- episode. I know he's a huge fan of Saw. He's gonna be freaked out when 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 we post it. See? So this one's for you, Darren. See? All right, I'm suffering for you. For you. Uh, he'll he he shows up for horror month. I know he likes this stuff. So oh yeah. Oh. Yeah. Um, All right, well, with that, we'll close it out. We post every Tuesday. Thank you guys for listening to the episode. And until then, I will survive and endure the brutality of Saw. We'll catch you next week. Cinema Spectator is an ECFS Productions podcast that is fully funded on Patreon.com. Shout out to our producers, Darren O'Neill, for supporting the show and to the rest of you that support us at patreon.com slash ECFS Productions. If you want to learn more about the benefits you can get, check out our Patreon. The show cannot happen without you great listeners, so we thank you for all your kindness and support.